This is the Coach's Wife Life Podcast, where Kristen Urgel, a longtime TV sports reporter and college football coach's wife, goes one-on-one with her fellow coaches' wives. We will uncover the stories of the strong women who are the backbone of college athletics and athletics of all levels. And now, Coach's Wife Life. I am so excited to have Christy Fedora today. Christy is the wife of Larry Fedora, senior analyst for the Texas Longhorns. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Kristen. I feel honored that you even asked me to come on and um, be interviewed. And I have listened to all of your podcasts of all the wives, and I'm just always astounded at what you know remarkable women they are. And um, things that I've learned just from listening has been so great. I'm guessing you have a favorite one that we have just recently posted. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sydney Fedora well, was one of my guests. That was phenomenal. You have an outstanding My oldest daughter, woman. yes, did the special Mother's Day edition for you, and she did a great job. And um, I took my dogs on a walk yesterday, and I listened to that podcast. And, of course, I know Smacker um, from her, her younger brother, Manny, went here at UNC and played for Larry and Sydney and Smacker actually went to the University of Texas together and we're in the communication school together. So it was a little small world, but her interview was great. And then when you got to Sydney's, I just thought she did a great job. And I called her and told her I was boohooing on my walk with the dogs. People probably thought I was a little crazy, but it was just very sweet and special. It was sweet. It was one of those that I actually, when I edit these things, I put it together and I cried on each one of them because I thought, wow, if my Aww. daughters and my son um, were to say those things about me, it would just mean so much to me. And so hats off to you. You've done a phenomenal job raising, which is your children. And that's why I wanted to pick your brain for the next few minutes on things that you could share with us. I know that you guys are in Texas or you might be in the process of kind of getting there at some point. And I know that's a home state for you. It's got to be an exciting time for coach to get to go over there and, and being a part of what they call the great state of Texas. Oh, yes. Um, I grew up in Dallas and he grew up in College Station. And so when this opportunity came for him, he really wanted to go ahead and make that move and support the University of Texas Longhorn team there with Tom Herman and his dad is about an hour and 15 minutes from Austin. And so that's been a huge thing is he's been able to see his dad and his entire family much more than he ever has um, in his career, because we've obviously moved all over the country and lived too far to just get in the car and zip over for a day to visit. And so he's really, really enjoyed that. Do you ever just stop and look around like during a game. I mean, there'd be 80,000 people screaming and you spot your husband as a head coach on the sideline. He's putting his headset on and you just go, I can't believe we do this for a living. Yeah, I have had that feeling (laughs) Um, in a positive manner though, because it's like, what an honor to, to have made it to that point. And um, I, that's just a feeling where, um, I get so proud of him and what he's accomplished and where he's at in life. And, you know, he's taken a step away from that right now. And he's a senior analyst now, but we'll see what the future holds. And I know he is super enjoying working the team there and just being able to have more of that one-on-one feeling of actually coaching football and helping out with the football team. 
a lot of things have been written in just kind words, you know, his great success over a long period of time. And from your eyes, though, what do you think makes Larry Fedora special? Well, I think the fact that he, um, I would say that he never gives up. And in probably every aspect of his life, he's, I think, always been very driven. Even as a child, he knew he wanted to be a coach at the age of 13. Hmm. Um, and he just doesn't give up. He never has given up on our marriage. You know, marriage is not easy as it is, and it has to be worked towards. And when you're a coach and a coach's wife, it makes it that much harder because you don't have a lot of that quality time together. And so, uh, or quantity time. And so you have to make what you do have quality. And he's worked hard at that. He's worked hard at his family, trying to be there for his kids. He's missed a lot of things that they still know him as their father and dad and that he loves them and supports them in every single thing that they do. And he's also never given up as a son. He's always been there for his parents too. He's just a, a very dedicated son to his father and just really has always been there to um, support him. He calls, they talk on the phone every single day still, and they have forever. So I just think that's really cool of, of a relationship between a son and a father to still have at, at their ages. So, and he never gives up in his job and his career. He's a hard, hard worker at times. As I, and I wanted to throw in, um, because I'd like to be honest and candid for some of the younger wives that might be listening, because I know that it's hard. It's easy sometimes when you get to my age and your kids are grown and you look back and you think, well, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that hard. But I know in the midst of it, it can be very difficult and very hard, almost like giving birth to a child because you look back and go, well, it wasn't that bad. (laughs) When you're actually doing it, it's horrible. You know, you have the chance of becoming very bitter and resentful. Hmm. and that can build up and that can you know mess up your marriage so you really just have to to hang in there use the support of the other coaches wives and friends that you might have on the on the staff or even outside of football neighbors and friends that you make at church or somewhere else for me a relationship with God has really helped my marriage and our growth and both Larry and I, our relationship with Christ has really helped our marriage to sustain over the years. But for those younger wives, I just, you know, kudos to you. You can do it. Uh, Hang in there and uh, do the best you can do. And, And reach out to some of us older wives if you need to, because we can give you some support and help if you ever need it. I'm glad you just said that. I really am because it is hard. I have the younger kids right now and I think you're talking right to me. And then there's probably a ton <laughs> in my shoes right now that are like seven, six and two. How am I going to survive till 7 p.m. at night? You know, just mm-hmm. and I appreciate you being honest and going, yeah, it is hard. And and I have started. I think I've done it personally tried to do it alone and just recently I've kind of started reaching out to some older coaches wives really through this podcast going um I think I need some advice (laughs) I I think I need someone to validate me sure you know we all do I remember at Oklahoma State reaching out to Rhonda Brewer who she and I are about the same age but her her son is a little older than my son and so you know just going to her and saying look Dylan's going through this did Keaton never go through that and for us to be her to say, sure, don't, don't let that get you down. And this is how you can deal with that. 
was just so wonderful to have somebody. And so don't be afraid. There's everybody's going, all the other coaches' wives are going through the same thing you're going through, most likely. And to reach out and just get their support and help definitely should be done. I think you brought up a really good topic, which was something I kind of want to talk about. And this happens a lot in this industry. We don't really talk about it much, but someone has been a head coach and then moving into another role, maybe at a different program. It's really a transition for the wife as well. When you've been a head coach's wife and then you're into another role, you've stood as a power five head coach's wife for an extended period of time. And is there some advice you could give us on how we assistant wives can help and serve and be there as a support to head coach's wife. Well, let me start by saying, I'm looking so forward to meeting Michelle Herman. I have not yet had that opportunity because um, myself and our daughters are staying here in North Carolina until our youngest graduates from high school next year. And then we will make that move to Texas. But when I do meet her, I want her to know that I fully support her and want to help her in any way that I can. And I think as assistant wives, the main thing is just remember that the head coach's wife is no different from you. She's just moved into that position. And so what that happens is a lot of um, responsibility is now put on her shoulders to be a support for a lot of people. And so, you know, I think we just need to cut her some slack. And also, though, to include them, I know some staff I've been on as assistant wives, we might get together for lunch and not call the head coach's wife. Mm. But, you know, I think because you think, oh, she's a head coach's wife, we can't call her, you know. But I think we should all realize that we're all kind of equal and include them um, when you even do just fun outside things um, like going to lunch or going shopping or something. And the, the staff that I had here at North Carolina, we just were all so close and so wonderful. And and they did include me and that made me feel so special. You know, I started thinking about this while we were talking it well, just supporting each other. And that looks different sometimes in different seasons you're in. You talked about how hard it is as a coach's wife in general when the kids are younger. And I started thinking about different seasons of our life that we're in. You know, sometimes we're coaches' wives and we don't have any children at all yet. And then of course uh-huh. don't ever have children, but um and make that choice or whatever that happens there. And and so you have some that are in their young years and then you have some that are older. And I think what we can do is there'd be seasons of our lives that, you know, you, some of those could have more time to give to others, you know, when they have different seasons and to be aware exactly. of that are going through. I've just interviewed and I haven't even released it yet. So I'm kind of ruining my show, but, but like <sighs> different seasons of when coaches, wives face adversity, you know, with it, our sickness or, um, you know, I know you were there for uh, some of your coaches' wives when um, they face breast cancer and, and different things like that, but just being aware of your sister beside you and what kind of things that she needs. Exactly. And, you know, there are, there's uh, just like that. I know assistant coaches' wives um, with twins and head coaches' wives with small children and you know, so for a wife my age, whether I'm a head coach's wife or an assistant coach's wife, an analyst's wife, I now am at that point in life where I can reach out and help them. And I've offered babysitting or coming over and just sitting with the kids before and, you know, just trying to help out as much as I can. And in the case of, you know, helping someone who's gone through a physical um, 
struggle and ailment, just having the opportunity to help and make dinners, which, you know, when my kids were younger, I might not have been able to do or taken the time to do. But at this stage in life, um, that's exactly correct that I am at that stage where I feel like I can, I can contribute more back to, to what others need. Now let's Which go is back. a great stage to be in. <laughs> it is. Let's go back and talk. How did this whole journey start? How did you meet Larry Fedora? Well, we both attended Austin College, but it's not in Austin, Texas. Like a lot of people think, it's a very small school in Sherman, Texas, which is just north of Dallas. We had two classes together right when I got there. And... Um, I think he thought I was smart, at least that's what he tells me, because I had glasses and a big bow in my head, <laughs> and um, so we kind of, you know, got to know one another, and he wanted to borrow my books, and it just kind of went from there. We started dating, so it was great. How long did you date? We dated for three years, and then we got married, and we have been married 31 years this July. Wow, 31 years. Yeah, long time. That's impressive. <laughs> we always joke and say it's it's really only about fifteen because he's been gone most of the the other fifteen. But <laughs> but it it is thirty one. So you've been with every single coaching stop. Yes, I have. We started when he his first job was at a high school in Texas, Garland High School, in, out of Dallas, Texas, and then from there he was a graduate assistant at Baylor in Waco. And uh, then he became an assistant coach at Baylor. And we stayed there, I think, probably four more years. We had um, our first child, Dylan, who is 27. And we had our second child, who is our daughter, Sydney. She's 24. And then we moved from Waco uh, to Colorado Springs to the um, Air Force Academy. And we were there for two years. And Peyton was born. She's 21 now. Um, from the Air Force Academy, went to Middle Tennessee State University, and that was his first offensive coordinator position. And at Middle Tennessee, I had Hallie, who is our youngest. She is 17 now. And then from there, Gainesville for three years, um, Oklahoma State in Stillwater, Oklahoma for three years. And then he finally got his first head coaching job at the University of Southern Mississippi in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And he was a head coach there for four years, four to five years. Now I can't remember, four years, I believe. And then um, from there, we came to the University of North Carolina, and he was a head coach here for seven years. And now we have come full circle, and we're back in Texas. <laughs> yes, you are. I love this question that I always try to ask because I learned so much from the answers. It's a hard one to answer. And I say it every time because it really is hard for you to just come out and tell me. But you've been the backbone of a highly successful coach. I have to know, if you could narrow down a couple of things, if you could just give a little advice on some things that you have done that has contributed in the success of his career and your lives as a family. Oh, goodness. Yeah, I hate this kind of a question. Um, because I do believe it takes a team. of You know, the team of the coaches, the coaches' wives, the families involved, support staff. But if it was just to come down to me, I guess what I've always tried to do is uh, keep him grounded, whether he's had a win or a loss, you know, and just staying stable, both of us, in our journey through this whole um, coaching profession. I always try to stay positive and encouraging and, you know, looking at the situation in a way that we can see God at work in mm -hmm. our lives. Because 
sometimes, you know, you have things not go the way you projected them to go or you want them to go. But, you know, as long as you're um, walking with the Lord and in prayer, then I think you can believe and have faith that God has a bigger and better plan for you. And it may be a different route of getting there. And so, you know, I try to just remind Larry of that so much, especially this last year, you know, we went through a tough time and trying to encourage him and remind him, you know, God's in control and he doesn't make a mistake and he is in control. I definitely try to keep that perspective, you know, and then one person's idea of success is different from another person's idea of success. Um, You know, some people think it's just all about how many wins you have on the football field, but I truly believe that when you see some of these young boys come in at 17 and 18 years old and you watch them develop into fine young men by the age of 21, 22, they graduate with a degree. They've had a healthy experience for four to five years. They have an education that's going to send them out into the world and provide them with a profession and they can make a difference themselves in other people's lives and in their families' lives. I think that is what success is. And I think that's what a lot of these coaches are in this profession for. They love to win. They love the game of football, but more than anything, they love the relationship they have with these boys that they can um, develop them into fine young men. So, um, you know, we, we keep in touch with players that Larry coached over 30 years ago, players he coached at Garland High School, you know, still stay in touch with us. So that just says a lot, you know, and that that you really put something into that person's life other than remembering how many wins they had or losses on the football field. I couldn't agree more. Sometimes I wish you could just take all those fans at the stadium and just, you know, yeah. Let him come to and work. Preach it. <laughs> yes. Let yes. him see all the aspects of it, you know, because it would right. Just, it would surprise them. I mean, if yes, yes. What do you think would yes. be the most surprising thing? Like you said, the amount of time and effort that goes into these kids—it's not just them showing up to practice and going home. I mean, they're keeping in touch with these kids, making sure they're in class every day, making sure they they're keeping their grades up making sure um, that their families are okay back home, that they're not going through something that they, they might need some help. Um, you know, there's just so much more, many more aspects. Do you guys have any traditions after big wins? We really don't. We come home and either I have cooked something that I know he enjoys or likes, or we order a pizza. And we usually, if we have an early game, then we have time to watch other games that afternoon and evening and cheer for some of our friends at other schools. You know, he is so good about not coming home and sulking. We try to always keep a light atmosphere and, you know, make some jokes and fun. And, you know, of course, we're all frustrated and down after a loss, but it's a new day the next day and it's a new start to a new game and you just have to look ahead. So um, we just try to spend time as a family as much as we can after the game. I think it's so important too, and it's important for the kids to have their time with their dad. And after a long week, I think we all just take a breath, you know, for sure. Um, I ask this question a lot and I really enjoy, cause I feel like I, I take notes every single time, but um, how do you block out negative things that pop up on your social media feed, even though you've, you've hidden people that post stuff like that, but how do you block out the negative when you do encounter it? Well, I try not to listen to it, but if I do hear stuff, I try to just remember 
who Larry is, what his, you know, why he's in this profession. And, um, and then I try to, you know, remind myself of who the people are that are, that maybe are saying those things. Maybe they don't fully grasp and understand, uh, what the coaches are actually doing. And, um, you know, I think Smacker Miles actually really made some good points on that. The other, in her podcast was that maybe that they weren't at practice and didn't see something that happened to that kid at practice that day that caused the coaches to make an adjustment in that play, you know, and, and so for fans to be so disgruntled and negative about some of that stuff, you know, you just have to remember that they don't fully understand and, and it is their team. They're, you know, they're supporting their team. They want to be part of that team. So you kind of understand that aspect of it. Um, one funny thing that happened that wasn't really funny at the time, but when we were in Mississippi, uh, we started off one of our season not so well, and probably by about the third football game Sunday morning, there were for sale signs like lined up in front of our house. Someone I think had gathered them from a bunch wow. of houses and put them all in front of our house. Oh but um, you know, I look back now and I think, oh my gosh, that took a lot of effort. You know, <laughs> but, but um, we turned around the season from then on. We it was nothing but wins, and it was a winning season. So you just never know what's going to happen either. That's right. You don't know what's going on behind the scenes that you're having to do and all the hours and all the effort and all that, you know, it's a mental buy-in as well that the players do. I mean, it's just, there's so many aspects. Oh yes. Yeah. Yes. So, so mental for them, those guys. Definitely. I think I've already asked you this question. You've kind of already answered it already, but you know, if there's a handful of things you remind Larry of during the tough days of coaching, those highs and lows of coaching college football, you've probably already touched on it, but is there anything you want to add to it? One of the things I try to remind him too is just to take care of himself because I think um, some of these coaches, they get so wrapped up in the season that they forget to like eat, you know, mm-hmm. and um, so, or, or to, they don't take the time to exercise, you know, and I've really tried to encourage him, you know, you got to take care of yourself so you can do the best job you, you can do. And um, I think he's learned a lot over the years and, you know, that he can and can't control some of the things that are happening. And so I think he'll continue to learn a lot from coach Herman and that I hope that, you know, he will continue also just to take care of himself. He's really, you know, uh, done a great job at that. One of the former wives on your staff, she'll share her story on the podcast. Just talking about taking care of wives, uh, your fellow coaches' wives. What are some ways that you have really enjoyed taking care of the wives on the staffs that you've put together? We've done several things. We love being together. We really do. Um, I try to take, you know, into account that some of them have little ones. I definitely don't require anything or expect anything out of any of them. But if they're able to join and want to, um, we've had birthday celebrations where one wife is in charge of one of the other wives' birthdays, you know, throughout the year. So uh, that month, she kind of puts on a little party um, for birthdays. We've had uh, done a few philanthropic type things. We have cooked dinner at the Ronald McDonald House. Um, We put together bags for um, a homeless uh, shelter. And um, some of us got together, even helped with Habitat uh, for Humanity and built a house or helped build part of a house. So just little things like that to get together. Um, And then once a week at my house, I always offered a Bible study that 
you know, both uh, in the fall and in the spring that kind of just kept us all connected. Um, we have coffee and breakfast at my house one morning a week and uh, work our way through a maybe a Bethmore um, Bible study. We've done several different types of Bible studies, though, and just, you know, a way to stay close to God, but also with to each other and, and to get that, that encouragement that we need. So I just, I've loved every one of the coaches' wives I've ever worked with, though. We've had some extremely exceptional, wonderful women, and I just can't say enough about them. They speak very, very highly of you. I've been um, well, getting to meet several of them through podcast, and I'm like, wait a minute, you were on the Fedora staff too. That's incredible. <laughs> oh, it's neat uh, doing this podcast. You meet people from all over, and then you'll find so many common times that people were together on the same staff. It's a really small world, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is. It's you know, you never know who you're going to be with again. That's for sure. When it, the staff is broken up. You don't really have to say goodbye because you might be coaching with them a couple years later. <laughs> it's more true. like, I'll see you soon. <laughs> very, very true. It sounds yeah. like you're really mission-minded, you know, just pouring into the community. Um, and I, I can tell you also pour into your players um, right there uh, when you're at North Carolina and Southern Miss. What are some ways that you, uh, practical ways that you have shown those players that they mean a lot to the Fedora family? I try to show up, you know, at, at some practices during the week just to be uh, visible. Um, uh, we had a dinner at the stadium as a staff. So one night a week we would go to the stadium and, and see players and have dinner there with our kids. Uh, we did a, we always have had a little Halloween candy gift bag handout for the players where all the wives contribute candy and I stuff them in Halloween sacks and we hand them out after a practice one week close to Halloween and all of the kids on the staff dress up in their costumes and it's adorable and I think the players enjoy that. Um, we have a, a prayer request box put in the training room, we did, um, and that was really neat because it, it was totally anonymous. They didn't have to put their name, they could put their name, but there was a little slips of paper and they could write down if they were going through some depression or anxiety. They could write down if, you know, to pray for their family back home because they were going through a hard situation or pray that they would uh, recover from an injury, you know, quickly. And so that was, that was really great because then I would pick those up and shoot the requests out to all the wives that wanted to be on that uh, list. And, you know, we could all be in prayer for those things. And then on Thursdays, I have um, some cookies that I bake and box up. And three players were always chosen for their academic achievement. So not necessarily doing so well on the field or in practice, but in the classroom. And um, our academic advisors would get those three names to my husband every Thursday morning. And then by Thursday afternoon after practice, uh, those guys each got a box of, of my famous cookies. <laughs> So it, that was always a fun, exciting time too. They got, they got all um, excited for that with, you know, hoop and holler and made it fun. So. Wow. These are fabulous yeah. ideas. I haven't really. heard some of these before. I like this. Well, and, and probably a lot of them I have taken from other people. So I can't say that they were all my ideas, but um, they, uh, you know, you, that's a neat thing too. If you get around and you do talk to other coaches' wives or other head coaches' wives and, you get some ideas like that from them and then bring them back home and try to implement them in your own program. So that's, 
that's kind of fun to brainstorm with other coaches' wives. Oh, without question. Do you have a coach's yeah. wife mentor or someone that you talk to to get ideas on a regular basis or to handle issues, or you just have a group of people you kind of talk to? I would say I probably just have gotten bits and pieces from a lot of different wives. Um, Larry and I have been so fortunate to be invited on the Nike trip with um, a, a big group of coaches and their wives. Um, and I've gotten to know a lot of the wives on that trip. And, and so just brainstorming with them and talking with them about things they've gone through, you know, or that I've gone through that, that has helped a lot. Um, the first person that comes to mind is probably our very first head coach's wife though, which was Donnell Taff. And that's Grant mm -hmm. Taff's wife. And she's just such a stoic, beautiful Christian woman who, um, was always so put together and just so caring. I was just a lonely GA's wife and she made me feel so special. And uh, I, I remember I came down with chicken pox actually as an adult and um, mm. you know, she, she came to see me in our little bitty duplex and it just made me feel so special. And I thought back then, I want to be like that. You know, I want to, to let everyone on, the staff know that I care about them and that they're special and important too. So um, I fortunately get to see her every once in a while in New York at the football hall of fame banquet. And, you know, she just, she still is an absolutely beautiful inside and out woman. And uh, so I'm very grateful that, that we landed at that, that job as Larry's very first job to kind of follow in, in her um, guidance. What a great precedent. She said, that's incredible. Now, the season can get very long, <laughs> you know, it can be exhausting. Are there some things that you try to do to stay connected? Is there any time that you create for a date or a lunch date or anything that you've tried to commit to? Well, we commit definitely to dinner Thursday night. Everybody in our house knows that dinner Thursday night is when dad's home for sure. I'm cooking for sure. <laughs> That's kind of our night and our time. Some Friday mornings we get to to have just time here at the house together too. Um, and if, and like I said, if it's an early game on a Saturday, those Saturday nights are kind of meant for us, unless it's a, could be a recruiting dinner. But um, for the most part, it's usually that one night a week. And then we just try to keep up with texting and calling and keeping each other, you know, communicating between one another, what's going on in, in our lives. He spends so much time away recruiting, game planning, the, the schedule's daunting, but it sounds like uh, you, you don't take a lot of time for yourself. Sounds like you're serving other people all the time, <laughs> but do you well, have some things that you like to do? I do. I, um, I like to exercise. That keeps me sane, I think. Um, I like to paint. I was an art major in college, and so now that my kids have gotten a little older, I have you know, picked up the brushes again and tried to dive into some, um, some painting for either friends or here, um, at our house. And then anytime I'm just with my kids and my dog, um, I'm a happy camper, whether it's like out running around with my girls shopping or eating lunch, you know, with, uh, everyone together. It's just, that always makes me so happy. What are the most rewarding aspects to you about being a coach's wife? For one, all of the moves that I've had to make, every time I have to make a move, I'm like, oh my goodness, I don't think I have it in me. But, and I'm always sad and cry when I leave one place because I try to get involved and I make friends and then I have to leave them. But I always make 
new friends. It's a new place. And um, I think just being able to move around the country, see different parts of the country, um, and meet different people around the country is really honestly a, a, a positive about being a coach's wife and family because, you know, my kids are so resilient. They probably don't have a place to call home, but they don't know anything any different. And they, they're okay with that. Um, they wouldn't have had it any different. They, they love the, the lifestyle. Watching the team and the players as they come in and they grow through the years and getting to know them is always so much fun. And then just the, you know, relationship that I get to have with the other wives. I mean, I have an instant built-in friendship and group that I, you know, I'm not just a person moving to a new town and I don't know a soul. I moved there and I know I've got so many other coaches' wives that are going to be my friends and be in the same boat as me. And um, so that, that is very encouraging. Fast five questions for you. Ready? Okay. Okay. What's something someone be surprised to know about you? Well, um, I was actually on America's Funniest Home Videos. Uh, my family already thinks that I'm a very funny person. <laughs> and I don't even always try to be funny, but they think I'm funny. Um, I had put on a visual reality headset that my daughter, Sydney, was, uh, it was checked out to her by a professor at the University of Texas. She was in a class on how to make visual reality videos. Um, and I'd gone to see her for Mother's Weekend for her sorority at Texas and checked into the hotel. She and I were sitting in the hotel room and she let me put those uh, goggles on. And I watched a couple of little videos that were so great, like Beauty and the Beast. And uh, I can't remember the other one, but they were just really calming and sweet and wonderful. And then she says, now this next one's scary. You better sit down. So I sat down on the bed, but I sat down kind of on the edge of the bed, not knowing. And at the end of the video, some scary thing comes crawling up at you. <laughs> um, and I just screamed and threw my hands and legs up in the air and flipped off the bed backwards. <laughs> so after she realized that I was going to be okay, that not broken my neck, she decided to submit it to America's Funniest, Funniest Home Videos, and it actually made it on the show. I got a t-shirt. I didn't win anything for it, but um, it, it was funny. It was Everybody thinks that that's just a hoot. That is <laughs> In fact, the last time I went to get my hair done at my hairdresser, he's a young guy, and his uh, there's a girl that's his young assistant. They both walked up and were dying laughing. They said, we just saw your video. <laughs> Oh, so I think it's goodness. still circulating, but is it online somewhere? Oh, I'm sure it's somewhere. Yes, I think it was it. on it was on America's Funniest Home Videos Facebook page just recently as one of their <laughs> highlights. Yeah, so that you'll have to go so look for that and get a good laugh. Absolutely <laughs> <laughs> oh. incredible. Okay, yeah. Coach surprises you walks in the door with concert tickets. What would be printed on that ticket? If they were for himself, it would be probably the Eagles. If they were for me, it would be something like Celine Dion or Elton John. All right. Everyone has a few things they might need to replace around the house. What is the ugliest thing you own? <laughs> well, my girls just helped me Marie Kondo my closet, which for anybody that doesn't know that, you go through your closet and you get rid of everything that does not bring you joy. And I'm telling you, I don't have much left, but um, I 
actually have like some pajama type loungewear that I sit around in at nighttime <laughs> when I'm just kind of like have had my shower watching TV and everybody calls it my uniform in the house. So um, I would say probably one of my little uniforms is probably one of the ugliest things I need to now get rid of. <laughs> But it brings you joy, so you're not, right? It does bring me joy, yes. <laughs> so you get to keep it. I do. Okay, if you could have dinner with someone other than a family member, current or from history, who would that be? I would say, for one, Jesus and my dad. My dad passed away uh, right after Larry and I got married. So just to sit down, I think, with him and have dinner and tell him about all his grandkids and, and the journey that we've been through would be sorry, would be amazing. What do you think he would tell you? I think he would be proud. He did meet Larry and um, mm. he was at our wedding. And so he knew from, from then, I think, uh, what a great young man he was and that he was, you know, a hard worker and um, sorry. No, special. And would definitely provide for his family. And um, so I think he would be very proud. I think you would. Too. And so happy for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And happy that we were back in Texas because <laughs> he, he always said, I want you to marry a Texas boy so that you won't leave Texas. <laughs> and I married a Texas boy and he drug me all over the United States. But now we're going to head back to Texas. So Now you hook the horns, won't you? Dad would be happy. Yes. Yes. Well, you get a night alone. What show would you binge watch? I have gotten into Downton Abbey <laughs> and I, I always thought that it was probably for an older crowd to watch and because my mom always suggested it to me, <laughs> but I finally uh, watched it and it is amazing. There's, I think, six or seven seasons. It's ended now, but it is great. And I actually got Larry Fedora hooked on it of all things um, and he will, he'll even when he has, you know, we're together, we have some time, he'll say, hey, let's watch another episode. <laughs> so we turn on Netflix and we watch Downton Abbey. Yes. yes. Don't you love to I think have he a just show? does it to make me happy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fun. It is. I love all, I like to watch TV, I, I, I admit. And um, so I like to watch good shows. It's fun. Too. It's fun. Yeah. Well, I have really enjoyed getting to visit with you. This has been a blast for me. Well, I have too. And I appreciate that so much. I appreciate you including me in this. And um, I think you're doing a great thing because I think that, you know, like we talked about coaches, wives need other coaches, wives, no matter what level you're on, if you're just getting into it, you've just gotten married to a coach and you're saying, what on earth have I done? <laughs> you know, we're here for you. We're here to encourage you. And um, I just, you know, I think it's a great thing that you're doing. And I have definitely really enjoyed listening to everybody else's podcast of it, of, that you've posted. Well, you've uplifted me. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Absolutely. And to all absolutely. the coaches' wives out there, you're not alone. That's right. That is absolutely right. Make sure to subscribe to the Coach's Wife Live podcast. And for a replay of this episode or previous episodes, visit coacheswifelife.org and follow us on social media at Coach's Wife Life.